0: Uh, Good morning. A very, very warm welcome to you all on this uh, wet morning. Uh, It's great to have you with us for our service and a very warm welcome. If you're watching online, it's great that you've been able to join us, too. Uh, If you're new or if you are visiting, uh, please do grab me afterwards uh, or Colin. uh, Do say hello. It'd be great to get to uh, know you a little bit uh, better. Uh, We are continuing our series uh, of teaching. Uh, We're continuing to go through the book of Ephesians. And Colin will be speaking on that this morning, out with the old and in with the new. Uh, But before we start our service uh, formally, uh, let's just take a moment to still our hearts, uh, just to ready ourselves, uh, being mindful of the fact that we do indeed come before a living, holy God. And let's commit this time now to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you have given us to gather together. Father, help us uh, to put down the distractions of uh, this day. The distractions we had getting here. And the challenges that lie ahead. Father, I pray that uh, as we journey through the service that in your goodness, that you would uh, draw us close to yourself by your spirit. I pray that as your word is read and preached, as we gather together to pray, to receive communion and to sing songs of worship, uh, that we might know you with us, speak to us, encourage us. And let us know afresh your love for us and of our deep need. For you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Paul writes to the churches at Colossae, and he says this in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that just an absolutely amazing truth? yet yeah, that we have been rescued from the wrath of God, from darkness, and we have been brought in to living, eternal, personal fellowship with the one true living God, adopted as his children. That's amazing truth. So let's let's stand. Let's sing to the one who really is the king of kings who welcomes us into fellowship with him. Can I just ask you just to leave that slide on for a moment for me, please? Thank you. And we've just sung that those amazing words, haven't we? Your majesty, I can but bow. I lay my all before you now in royal robes. I don't deserve. I live to serve your majesty. But as we look back uh, at uh, our last week, uh, last day, maybe even the last couple of hours today, uh, we realize that we haven't allowed the Lord Jesus really to be the king in all areas of our lives. We find that uh, we're easily distracted. Uh, We turn quickly away uh, from his lordship claims uh, over our lives. Our hearts are filled with pride, with a lack of contentment. And we seek our own good. And we're reluctant to care for those around us. So we're going to come now to a time of confession. To come before God and say sorry for the times that we've lived our own way. So just take a few moments now in the quietness of your own hearts. uh, To bring to mind the times when uh, you fail to live as you know. Our Heavenly Father longs for us to live. And some words of confession. Echo these in your own heart. O King enthroned on high, filling the earth with your glory, holy is your name, Lord God Almighty. In our sinfulness we cry out to you to take our guilt away and to cleanse our lips to speak your word through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Because of what God has done for us in and through the Lord Jesus, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says, "For who for our sake, for our sake, made him to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's a remarkable assurance for us this morning. So hear these words of assurance and allow the Holy Spirit uh, to make God's forgiveness real in our hearts. So the almighty and merciful Lord grant us pardon and forgiveness of all our sins. Time for amendment of life and keep us in the grace and strength of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, picture the scene. You get home from the service this afternoon. And as you open the door, there on the mat, you find a gold embossed envelope with your name stenciled carefully in gold lettering on the front. You rush, pick it it up quickly as you can, tear it open, pull it out, and it says, your name, Saab, or whatever your name is, you have been invited to come and have tea with the queen and celebrate the jubilee with her, this afternoon. Inside the hour, a car is coming to collect you. Okay? And it's real. It's real. Question for you this morning. 20 seconds. Turn to the person next to you and ask yourselves this question. What will you wear? <laughs> what will you wear when the car arrives to go and have tea With the Queen. Right. Uh, Let me come down. Luca, Queen's coming. Or you're going to see the Queen. What will you wear?
1: Uh, I would wear probably my best... Uh, outfit I have.
0: Best, best outfit that you have. So the best, because the Queen is the best. Reuben, what, what would you and your mum wear? What would... I'd wear a
1: suit that I'd wear to a wedding.
0: <gasps> a suit to a wedding. OK, we'll ask someone more seasoned in years. <laughs> what would you wear? Uh, I'll have to wear what I wore last time. <laughs> 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 If this wasn't expensive, it'd be mic drop, wouldn't it? It it really would. That's right, isn't it? If you're going to see the Queen, you will wear something really uh, elegant, something appropriate uh, for that occasion. Uh, And we remember um, 70-odd years ago when the Queen was uh, being crowned, uh, she uh, paraded up in the most amazing... Robe, didn't she? This amazing long robe with fur and gold lining. Uh, and everybody who went along was wearing their very, very best. Now, the queen received a crown scepter, but she also received another gift. Does anybody know what other gift the queen received? Uh, uh, yes, yeah, she did get a crown, but there was a particular gift. Oh, we've got a hand at the back there. She did. She received. A Bible. And the archbishop who gave her the Bible said this. Your gracious majesty, I present you with this book, the most valuable thing that the world affords. Here is wisdom. These are the lively oracles of God. The very words of God. So even though the queen was the most important person at that point, she recognized that there was a king above Her, There's one true king, the Lord Jesus, who is the king of kings. And one day we are all going to meet the king. We're all going to meet the king. And the question is, what will we be wearing on that day? Are we going to be wearing our own righteousness? Are we going to wear our own good works? Our own, are we going to go before the king and say, look, I went to church. Look at all the good things I've done. Look at all the money I've given away. Look at how many people I've helped. Because if you are going to do those things, you're wearing the wrong clothes. When we go to see the Lord Jesus, we go there clothed in his righteousness. We wear the robes that the King of Kings has given to us. And so my challenge to you this morning is to ask yourselves this question. What clothes will you be relying on on that day when you go to meet with the Lord Jesus? So with that, we're going to pray for and send the children out, and then we're going to um, uh, interview, oh no, we're going to have a song, so let me, uh... oh no, we're going to, uh, uh, yes, let's have a song, does anybody know what's going on this morning? No, okay, right, okay, so we're going to uh, to have a song, can I invite you all uh, to stand and uh, uh, to sing this song, that Jesus is indeed the king, the king that we are going to meet one day.
2: Let's just pray for the young people and the children as they go out to their groups. Father God, we thank you that you are the king. The king who came to die to give us life, to give us clothes. That one day when we meet you, you'll say, come in. Welcome, my friend. Lord, help us now as we teach the children more about your truth. Help us as adults as we stay in here to learn more about your truth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: So uh, we, we come to the part of the service where we uh, orientate our hearts and our minds to uh, the, the reading uh, and the preaching uh, of from God's word. Uh, so uh, to prepare our hearts for that, uh, Terry will come and uh, she will lead us in our prayers. The music group uh, will lead us in our song. Martin Bishop uh, will come and he will read for us. And then Colin will bring, uh, will unpack uh, the truths that we've had read. So can I invite uh, Terry to come up and lead us in prayer?
1: Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Father, Saviour, Holy Spirit, one God, creator of this universe, we come to bow down before you, Lord. We come to you. We thank you that we can come into your presence at all. We thank you that we can come freely through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. And so we pray, Lord, that you will give us hearts that are bowed down before you and that yet come confidently into your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the delight of knowing who you are. We thank you, Lord, for the delight of sins forgiven. We thank you, Lord, for the delight of knowing that we have a home in heaven, And a new day, Lord, of resurrection, Lord, when we shall be like the Lord Jesus Christ, without sin, and walking perfectly with him. And so, Lord, we come before you, and we come gladly, Lord, knowing that you have often met with us here. And so we come, Lord, to meet with you again. Father, we pray for forgiveness for all our sin, Lord. We pray for forgiveness for carelessness towards you, Lord. We pray, Lord, for your cleansing again today. And we pray that rather we might set our hearts upon you at this very moment, Lord, to call upon you and to expect to meet with you here again this morning. Lord God, we have so many things to be thankful for. We thank you, Lord, for the reminder of this past week of the stability in which we have lived in the UK for many, many years now, Lord, for more than 75 years, Lord. We thank you for this rich blessing, Lord. We thank you for the reign of Queen Elizabeth, Lord, We thank you that you have kept her in good health. And we thank you so much, Lord, for the regular occasions on which she makes it plain that she trusts in you. We thank you for such a situation in this country of ours, Lord. Lord God, we want to pray, Lord, for people here in in this church. We want especially to ask for those who are suffering greatly, Lord, in different ways. We do specially ask, Lord, for your blessing on Rob and his family and on Val and her family, Lord, in their loss. Lord, I want to ask you and ask the church to join me, Lord. in praying for my friends, Valentina and Polina, who also have lost a family member just a year ago, in addition to all the other difficulties that they have faced. so, Lord, we pray for them together, Lord, and ask your rich blessing on them. We pray for Lila, Father, and all that she is going through as she tries to come to terms, Lord, with everything that's happened in her family. I pray that you will restore her to strength and to health, Lord, and for Stuart and all the family. Father, we pray for those amongst us here. Who live in some kind of emotional pain which they cannot share with anybody at all. We pray for them Lord because to carry a burden like that is a very heavy thing. And so Lord we ask for anyone amongst us who is in that position that you will meet with them Lord and give them your peace And give them your blessing, Lord, that they may know that they walk with you. Father, we pray for all of us, Lord. We all need you so much. We pray for the children, Lord. We pray that they may come to know you whilst they're young. We pray for the teenagers, Lord. We pray that everyone that does not know you yet will yet come to call you Lord. We pray, Lord God, for that you'll keep them as they uh, find out what life is all about and who they are. We pray that you'll bless them and keep them safe. We pray for parents bringing up little ones, Lord. Give them your power, Lord. To be in every way good parents, Lord, both in teaching and in gentleness, Lord, and loving kindness and understanding. Lord, we pray for those who are sick at the moment. We pray, Lord, that they may know that you are near. And feel a confidence in that. We know you draw near to us when we are in trouble, Lord. And so we ask you to do this for all those who are in pain and sickness now. For those who are frail, Lord, and finding life very difficult, the same, Lord. Be near them, we pray. Father, our prayers do go with Marion as she leaves us, Lord. We thank you for all that she has been here and for friendship, Lord, and I pray that you will bless her greatly as she moves near her family. And I pray that in blessing her there, that you will also bless her family there. Father, we most of all, we need our witness to the village and to the world, Lord, to be under your power and under your blessing. And so we ask you for that in every aspect of the church's life, that you would reign and that we might depend upon you. Give us trusting, depending hearts, Lord, and take away from us any spirits of self-confidence, we pray. And now, Lord God, we ask for your blessing for today. Lord, we um, want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We want to listen to your words attentively. We want to hear your gospel, Lord. We want to hear the scriptures speak. We thank you for our leaders who do this week by week. We pray for your blessing upon them. And we do now most especially pray that you would give Colin the freedom to speak, Lord, all that you have given him to say, and that you will lift him up, Lord, and give him that sense of being carried along by your power and not by his own efforts, Lord. So, Lord, we pray for all of this and for all that we should have prayed, Lord. We pray for your forgiveness for forgetfulness And we pray, Lord, that you would answer in power, Lord, and that we might know that you are here, and that you speak with us, and that we must listen. Lord, give us this grace, we pray. Thank you. Amen.
3: As children of the light and as family together, as we mentioned, it's a privilege to come and read the word of the Lord together. And our reading is from Ephesians chapter four from verse 17 through to chapter 5, verse 21. And if you're following in the Church Bibles, you'll find the beginning of the reading on page 1175. In the verses directly preceding today's reading, Paul urges the church in Ephesus to be mature in Christ's grace, no longer influenced by the cunning and and craftiness of people in a deceitful scheming, but to speak the truth to one another in love. And now Paul continues on this theme of putting off the old and putting on the new. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life that you have learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. (coughs) hold of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave up himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such person an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And that is why it's said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ Submit to one another Out of reverence for Christ This is the word of the Lord Thanks be to God Amen
2: Thank you Martin Uh, Please do keep your Bibles open If you have them in front of you And uh, if you have a handout If you find it helpful to follow along And mark it up as you go Great, if not No problem. Let's pray as we come to God's word together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the way that you speak to us. And we pray that, Lord, you would speak to us now. That we would hear the voice of the living God. And that he would transform us in the power of the spirit. That we would be people who live as your children. And to bring you pleasure and glory. This we ask in the name of King Jesus. Amen. Uh, many things change over time in really dramatic ways, don't they? As the saying goes out with the old, in with the new. I think of maybe one stark change over recent years is the use of phones. If we had children in here, they wouldn't know maybe what the one on, on the right-hand side is because things have really changed in dramatic ways. Cars have changed and continue to change, from diesel and petrol to obviously electric and even some hydrogen cars at the moment. Technology is vastly changing almost daily. Um, One of my neighbours works in artificial intelligence and it's amazing quite what they can do. And some things really do change in dramatic ways. As new things come in, the old things are removed. As we say, out with the old and in with the new. In chapter 4 and 5, as we had read to us there in the letters to the Ephesians, Paul really wants to stress to the believers there that that they have been made new that they have a new humanity and as a new people as a new humanity they are to live in a new way they are to put off the old way of life and put on the new as he says at the start of chapter 5 we are now God's dearly loved children we are no longer uh, the children of wrath Ephesians 2 but children of God. And therefore, as God's dearly loved children, we have three aspects, we should be three characteristics in how we live our lives. We have a new way of thinking, a new way of dressing, and a new example to follow in all of life. And so the first part of chapter four really places a stress on this, on a new way of thinking. As we think of uh, growing in maturity, the first part of the chapter in chapter four speaks of that. It speaks of God's people as a, as a body that we would grow together, that we would graciously use our gifts that God has given us to build one another up in love. And the second part of the chapter and then in chap- into chapter five, the instructions go from the whole church body to each individual in the church. Interestingly, there's only really a small part of chapter 4 which talks about uh, gifts, which focuses on gifts, as really the the vast majority is about godliness, as giftedness without godliness is useless. And we know that in our own lives, don't we? Not even in church life. We know that in, in our schools, in our workplaces, even perhaps at home. We can be the most gifted person around, but if we haven't got character, we haven't got character, then it is useless. We're really quite unhelpful. Because the Christian life is more about how we do things than about what we do. The stress in our life is far more about godliness than giftedness. It's far more about godliness than giftedness. And this is really the stress that Paul wants to to make as he lists some commands from verse 17 to 19 as he says so i tell you this and insist on it in the lord that you must no longer live as the gentiles do in the futility of their thinking they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of god because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Paul really focuses in this part on a new way of thinking. The call is really to stop thinking like everyone else around us. As Paul says, we're not to live like the Gentiles do, that is, the pagans or the non-believers We're not to live in this futile or this empty way of thinking. But as he says at the end of verse 18, it's because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts that they live like this. As Paul says in in Romans in chapter 1 verse 18, he says uh, that people know in their heads that God exists. They see it from creation as you look in creation. And yet they suppress the truth they suppress what they know about him. As the key issue that people struggle with is not an intellectual, not primarily an intellectual issue or argument, but it's a heart issue. The biggest problem is not so much that people don't understand who God is. It's that by nature, we willfully reject who God is. And that's why we, when we pray for people, we ask God to open people's eyes. Because they are blind in sin. As Paul says in verse 18, that they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. As behind every intellectual objection, as you speak with people, the core issue is the heart response. And as the dynamic plays itself out in these verses, it's it's the hardness of heart which then leads to an ignorance of God An ignorance of God leads to a darkened understanding and then a darkened understanding of who God is leads to a loss of sensitivity to the presence of God and therefore sensuality and sin flows out of it. Everything comes out of the heart. As he says in verse 19, they they give themselves over to to sensuality, that's shameless debauchery, impurity and then greed, just lusting for more. But Paul says, do not live like this, because that's not who you are anymore. That's not who you are. I remember, as a young believer, trying to think through how to live this out, how to live as a Christian, how to think as a Christian. In the context of a rugby team, that's quite difficult. Because after games, you would want to socialize with the the guys that you played with, maybe the opponents, and spend time together. But after a while, I had to realize, actually, I need to probably drive home much earlier. I had to think through how to live as a believer, and not as a person that I was before I met Jesus. But maybe, maybe perhaps you're facing a similar challenge at the moment, how to think through life as a Christian. Maybe you've got school friends who are pressurizing you to to drink or smoke or do things you don't really want to do. Maybe in your work context, there's a pressure to entertain clients, to take them places you don't want to go or to stay out late and to drink too much. Maybe it's just the romance novels. Maybe it's the websites or magazines that you read. Maybe it's how we use our phones and use apps like TikTok and Instagram and everything else. How are we to think? Because we're not to think as we used to think before, before Christ. We're to think in a new way. As Paul says from verse 20 to 21, that's not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and you were taught in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. As we don't live like we used to because we have a new way of thinking, a new mind. And this new way of thinking should lead us to a new way of dressing. As you see there from verse 22 to 24, the the Lord speaking through Paul, he says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Because before we met the Lord Jesus, in our former life we lived in a very different way. As Paul says, we're to put off our old self, which wants us to pursue sinful desires and sinful pleasures, and instead we're to put on the new self by renewing our mind as we walk in righteousness and holiness in Jesus Christ. We put off the old self in Adam and put on the new self In Jesus. Because now, today, you are, as we heard, dressed in the righteous robes of Jesus Christ. I wonder perhaps if you've ever watched some of the the red carpet events, like uh, the Grammys or the Oscars, and the reporters just crying out to the celebrities to come over and talk to them and ask them, "Eh, Who are you wearing? They don't say, What are you wearing? They say, "Who are you wearing?" Because they're looking for the big names. They're looking for Gucci and Versace or Armani, Prada, the rest. I think if they asked me, me, I'd probably say Sports Direct and Tesco. <coughs> Don't think they ask me. The thing is, it's really about who we wear, isn't it? Because if you're trusting in Jesus today, then you are robed in the righteousness of Him. You're no longer wearing your sin-stained clothes anymore. Now, today in Jesus, you are wearing his clothes. You've been given his righteousness and his holiness. Today, you're not seen by God in your sins. You're seen by God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Isn't that glorious? In a sense, it's very similar to the royal robes of our queen. She stands here uh, with a portrait from our our, uh, coronation, uh, with her late husband Prince Philip dressed in these royal robes. Because friends uh, Queen Elizabeth II is is our queen but Jesus is her king. And he's our king for all those who trust in him as well. In him We are robed in his righteousness. We are seen as perfect and pure. As it says in Psalm 8, we are crowned with him in glory and honor. This is your new self. These are the things that we are dressed in today. And so when our heavenly father sees you, he doesn't see you in your sin. He sees you in the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. All this is a gift of grace to you by trusting in the Lord Jesus. We're no longer dressed as we were. We're dressed in the glorious righteousness of Jesus. And this is who you are. At your deepest being, this is who you are. And in light of who you are now, in light of this, the commands of how we must live come at us like a machine gun from verse 25 to the very end of the chapter. As Paul says, we are really to, to put off falsehood and speak the truth to each other. And so subtle lies and mistruths that we might want to be saying have no place. They haven't got a place in our lives anymore because that's not who we are. He says, when, when you're angry, do not sin. And so there's a form of anger which is good, there's a kind of righteous anger. Maybe when we, we see the wickedness of war, we see the abuse of people, we see racism in the world. These things are wicked and we should be righteously angry towards them. Maybe there's times when we might not be righteously angry, but whatever the case, in our anger, we are to lay it down. Lay it down each day that the devil would not have a foothold in our lives. And so if you're angry in whatever way, each day, Lay it down. Put it at the foot of the cross each night. We're no longer to to steal, but instead contribute generously with our hands in work. It means for things like expenses, we don't exaggerate expenses. We don't overcharge clients. We don't try and see what we can get out of people. No, instead we see what we can give to people. We give abundantly and generously in our time, in our efforts, in our skills, in our money. All that we have, we give to others. We don't take from them. In the small things and in the large things. Our speech speech should be wholesome and encouraging. It means we don't tear others down by the way that we speak. We don't gossip about others. We don't criticize others about what they do or don't do. We seek to encourage them and to serve them. We speak in a holy and in a helpful way, a holy and a helpful way with other people. We don't grieve the Spirit. In the context of speaking of uh, Israel in the desert, you think of them grumbling and moaning against the Lord. We don't do that. We don't complain against the Lord, but instead we, we praise him. We give thanks to him for all that he's given us. We get rid of every form of malice, the long list, every form of malice. Instead, we are kind and compassionate and forgiving, just as Christ forgave you. It means all our interactions, especially those in the church family with other believers, are to be rich in kindness and forgiveness, rich in grace. Forgiveness means never to bring it up, never to bring it up in your mind. Don't bring it up in conversation. Don't bring it up with others. Forgiveness means that it has been forgiven. There are consequences to what we do, certainly. But confessed sin is forgiven sin. We have been forgiven. You have been forgiven if you're in Christ today. You are a forgiven person. So you can extend that to others. And so we do this as we we have a a new way of thinking, a new way of dressing, and thirdly, we have a new example to follow. Our example is that of Jesus himself. As Paul says in uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. In verse 2, some versions uh, say walk in the way of love. Um, I think it's a better picture as it gives us an idea of this active, ongoing uh, process, an ongoing activity of living as God's children, as his dearly loved children. Because he says as God's children there in verse 3, there shouldn't be any hint of sexual immorality, any kind of impurity or of greed, because these things are improper for God's people. The word for sexual immorality is pornea, from which we get the word pornography. And Paul says, as God's dearly loved children, there should be not even a hint of this in our lives. Not even a hint. Sexual immorality is really any sexual activity outside of marriage. Marriage. It means that you don't give your body to someone that you're not in a covenant with, someone that you're not committed to. You don't give them yourself. Any form of sexual activity outside of marriage denies really who we are as God's people because we're now in God's family and so we live by God's standard. We're in God's family and so we live by God's standard. Watching a clip of a a TV show just the other day There was a host who asked the audience uh, to all stand up. And so they all did that. They all stood up. And then he asked them, please sit down if you've only ever slept with one person in your whole life. And a few ladies sat down. And his response was, oh, you poor things. Because today, to be sexually active is to be human. It means that if you're not expressing yourself sexually in whatever way you think that might be, in whatever way you think is best, then you're not fully human. You're not really alive. It means that you are wasting your life. You're missing out on so much. But as a follower of Jesus, that's not who you are anymore, is it? That's not who you are. Because you're robed in the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus. Either having sex or not having sex doesn't define you. Jesus defines you. That is who you are. A dearly loved child of God. And therefore we get rid of everything else. We get rid of obscenity, of foolish talk, coarse joking. And we replace it with thanksgiving. With praiseworthy words. It means that we don't play any part in the innuendos flying around the staff room, the workplace, or the playground. We don't play any part in them. None. Instead, we're to seek ways to praise God and to give thanks to other people, for other people. And often that really might make us stick out from the crowd. But we're not here to live for the good of the crowd. We're here to live for the good of the Lord. For his pleasure, for his smile, because only really dead fish go with the flow; the ones that are alive go against the current. And we're not—if we're not following Christ's example, and even as it says, if we're not really, if we're not uh, doing it, living it, then we deny our inheritance. We deny who we are in the Lord. And therefore, we don't participate in the sins of others. Instead, we look to praise others. We're to be awake, awake and alert. As we live not as foolish people, not as unwise people, but as wise people. As we follow Christ's example, as Paul says in verse 16, we're to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, the question to ask ourselves is, How does my life, how does my life give God the most glory? How does Jesus get the most glory out of the days I have in my life? It means we want to make use of our life for Him. And so we won't make decisions based on what we think is right, but we'll make decisions based on what He thinks is right. And then that makes everything go in order. It means The Lord doesn't really mind if we live in Bicester, in Bombay, in Barbados, or in Bognor Regis. Our focus is not so much on how much money we make, or maybe what promotion we get, or how it looks good on, on us or our family. No, our focus is how does God get the glory out of my life in the time that I have? What does that look like for me? And then Paul goes on there from verse 18 to 20. He says, "Don't get drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit." In reading on this topic, Sinclair Ferguson says that it's it's tempting to fall back on our own experiences or stories as we explain how to be filled with the Spirit. And he says, "But we're not we're not cut adrift to find our own interpretation, to find our own understanding, because these these verses only really make sense." in the light of the book of Colossians. In Colossians 3, and verse 16 and 17, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Both Colossians and Ephesians are written by Paul. They're written at a similar time, and they're carried by the same messenger, Tychicus. And so by reading Colossians and Ephesians together, side by side, as they mirror one another, gives us a, a really clearer understanding of the, of the phrase, As Singler Ferguson says, the way in which we obey the command to be filled with the Spirit is by responding to the Word of Christ, making room for its influence, giving our hearts to its teaching, and our wills to its obedience. To be under the influence of the Word is to place ourselves under the Lordship of the Spirit. It means that a person who is filled with the Spirit and under the influence of the Word leads a life which glorifies God. In contrast, a person under the influence of too much wine or alcohol pursues sinful pleasures and they end up being a nuisance to everyone else in their life. But a person under the influence of the Word and the Spirit leads a Christ-like life. A life which pleases the Lord as we live, as, uh, as we want to live to please Him. And that really leads to three things being filled with the spirit and under the influence of the word we, we sing songs from the heart we sing psalms and hymns and songs and we, we we quote scripture to one another we lead a life of thankfulness we are filled with the joy of the lord and we lead a life of thankfulness and then in verse 21 it leads us to, to gladly submit to other people to other other believers because our preferences are secondary to the needs of others. As we seek to serve them, to see their good, to, to, to build them up in the Lord. But as you think about following the example of Jesus, it seems like an impossible task. It's a bit like trying to climb Mount Snowden in the winter with slippers. Impossible. Maybe not if you're Pete Short, but impossible for everyone else. And so you might think of the phrase, what, what does it, what, would, what does Jesus do? What, the old phrase, what would Jesus do? That's the example, isn't it? The example to follow. But Jesus can only really be our example if he is firstly our saviour. He can only be our example if he's firstly our saviour. Because as you look at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 5, Paul says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We walk in a way of love because in love Christ died for us. For all those who trust in him, He died for us to take away the penalty for our sins. And he rose again to glory and gave us his spirit that he would empower us to be able to live God glorifying lives. Because, as God says through Paul in verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Not that we were like darkness but that we were darkness. And now through faith in Jesus, we, ha- we are the light of the Lord. We are children of the light. We are God's children put on display to the whole world to display his glory. Because we've been brought out of darkness and into his glorious light that we would bask in the radiance of the goodness of the love of God our Father. And therefore, because we have his pleasure, because we have his smile upon us, we want to live lives that bring him glory. Therefore, let us, friends, think about how we can do that, how we can continue to live lives which please him, because he is our heavenly father, and he loves us because we are his children. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are aware of how far we fall short. And yet we are mindful of who we are now in Jesus, that we are clothed in your righteousness in your holiness. And this is who we are now as your children. Therefore, Lord, help us to live out of that, to live out of who we are, that we would follow you, follow your example to lead lives which bring you pleasure and glory. Help us to turn from the old way of thinking, the old way of living, that we would bring pleasure to you in every part of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm going to pass over to Sarab who will lead us in communion.
0: So we come now to uh, communion. communion is a meal that uh, the Lord Jesus himself instigated uh, to help us to remember uh, what he has done uh, for us, uh, what God has done for us in and through Christ's death on the cross. Uh, And as we come to the table, uh, we remember uh, that we have indeed been rescued. We've been rescued from bondage to sin. That by God's amazing grace and mercy, uh, we've been moved from death to life, and we have been made right with our Heavenly Father. And it's not because we are in some way worthy, but because He is good. So come to this table not because you must, but because you may. Not because. You are strong, but because you are weak. Come not because of any of your own goodness gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and you need help. Come because you love the Lord a little and would like to love him more. Come because he loved you and he gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ, for we are his body. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Apostle Paul tells us of the institution of the Lord's Supper. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you. For the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So, loving God, we praise and thank you for your love shown to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life and ministry announcing the good news of your kingdom and demonstrating its power in the lifting of the downtrodden, the healing of the sick, And the loving of the loveless. We thank you for his sacrificial death upon the cross. For the redemption of the world. And for your raising him to life again. As a foretaste of the glory that we shall share. And we give you thanks for this bread and this wine. Symbols of our world and signs of your transforming love. So send your Holy Spirit we pray that we may be renewed into the likeness of Jesus Christ and formed into his body. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So take this in remembrance that Christ died for you. And feed on him in your heart, by faith, with thanksgiving. In the same way, he took the cup after supper. And said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant, sealed by my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this in memory of me. Drink this and remember that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. So a prayer to close communion. Your death, Lord Jesus, we commemorate. Your resurrection we confess. And your final coming we await. Glory be to you, O Christ. Amen. Uh, that does bring us uh, to the end of our service. Um, the Lord spoken to you this morning, and you would like someone to pray with you. Then Please do pray with the person uh, that came with you this morning, or grab someone uh, nearby. But please do take that opportunity uh, to pray before you go. Uh, some words that uh, uh, Peter writes at the end of uh, 2 Peter. Uh, he writes this that's us, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.